1: Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. I'm your host Nick joined tonight by Cody and Ben. We are the Clemson podcast and life is good boys. It's been a while since all three of us have been on the show. I don't even remember if it was this trio that did the LSU National Championship recap. Do not remember that was so long ago, but it's good to have the three of us back on the air. Sam is not with us tonight. It's midnight on the East Coast. So uh, he gets a break this week. But how are we doing boys um
2: good man uh i think the lsu recap was cody and myself we had over twenty-seven thousand listens our typical show gets two to three thousand so i'm thinking a lot of lsu fans were listening in half of those are bots half of those are bots come on man you gotta let us let us have something um but yeah good dude um i can't even remember the last time we did a three-man show it must have been a preview for the natty or something like that right I think so.
0: Cody, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It seems like, well, we haven't been able to do it in person in probably over a year. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. I think we can make it happen, but it will be some time until we do that. Um,
1: Cody, you got a wedding coming up. Congratulations. It's going to be really exciting. Um, hopefully, you guys can do kind of a shout out. We can put that on social media um, in a state of jubilation and inebriation.
0: Yeah, if if Hunter Renfro is in the area, uh, we try to get him to come to Sam's wedding, but if he's in the area, um please stop by. Hit us I'm, up on on Twitter. Imagine he's in training camp.
2: Um, but why do you why do you say, Cody, that we won't be able to do in
0: person? Just because of social distancing, you know, it's you have to be safe. I
2: literally hung out with you last weekend and all three of us are playing golf this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just kidding. It's just that uh <laughs> we live we're all we're all fragmented now. We have uh, we live in the burbs and uh, everyone's too lazy to drive. So We're going to a golf course surrounded
2: by f- wildfires. Yes, s- still playing. We're not letting COVID or, or wildfires stop us.
1: Yeah, that's true. That stuff also isn't stopping us recording an episode here. Let's get back on track. Uh, <laughs> so we're here to podcast and talk about Clemson and some other things. College football is still with us. There's still hope for the 2020 season. Um, guys, I'm going to go ahead and just caveat everything off the top. Um, we are going to proceed with this episode as if, and, you know, by the time this releases, things might change, whatever, uh, as if there will be a 2020 college football season played, played all the way through, played with the college football playoff that we get through most of the way, if not all the way through our schedule and that everything's good. I think all of us are hoping and praying for that outcome. So let's, let's, let's dream a little, let's dream big and Knock on wood, uh, baby. Have, have this work out. So Uh, With that, there's kind of a few angles we could cover in this episode. This is by no means our season preview or position group preview or even really our opponent preview. Um, Some new stuff has come to light. I think when you guys last recorded, the schedule was out, um, but we know a little bit more detail around that with our out-of-conference opponent coming to light. So I think we could touch a little bit on that. Um, There's obviously a lot more going on in the macro college football space with other conferences and actually a little closer to home what's happening. So, um, yeah, we can cover that stuff. And I feel like also, um, just some news on the team, a little bit noteworthy. So, um, in terms of where we would start, I might even start with the news. So, um, CJ Spiller, you know, Clemson legend, um, former NFL high, high, high level first round drop pick Buffalo bill, Kansas city chief. What other teams did he play for guys? The saints. Yeah. Yeah. He got a second deal, I think with them. Yeah, so uh, CJ is now um, a grad assistant at Clemson Unpaid. Uh, I think he's probably doing fine from his NFL earnings, but um, CJ is back on campus working with Clemson. I think he's really been in a, sort of a uh, an ambassador for the team for quite some time. Uh, one of the most high-profile alumni players, and to see him come officially back in an official capacity is awesome. Looks like he's going to be an assistant with the running back group, no surprise there. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on CJ coming back? I think it's awesome, man. Um, you know, CJ loves Clemson. Clemson loves CJ.
2: It's always, it's just great to have him around. It's always cool to see him at the national championship game supporting the team there on the sidelines on the field. And he's stayed really connected to Clemson, uh, you know, th- throughout all of this. And I was mentioning this to you guys the other day. Um, I think about the recruiting advantage that you know, we are, we already have a recruiting advantage over a lot of teams, but this helps even more, um, as many high profile guys we've been putting in the NFL, uh, the last 10, 15 years or so. And to start having those guys come back with NFL experience that these kids grew up watching play. Right. Um, and having them come back and coaching on the team, we've had, we've had NFL guys before, right on the coaching staff, but now these guys are Clemson players with NFL experience. You've already got Tyler Grisham, uh, the wide receivers coach played in the NFL. Um, and CJ Spiller, um, Brian Dawkins is around the team. Um, so yeah, I I think we're going to start seeing that more and more as some of these guys, you know, go their course through the league, retire, come back to Clemson. Um, and, and try to enter the coaching world and get on the staff. Again, I think it's just going to boost recruiting and really reinforce that family atmosphere that the recruits and their families love so much.
0: Yeah. I I think it's more than just like the brand name of CJ Spiller, because it's, it's very rare. You get like the high profile athlete that actually comes back to be a coach. Usually they don't have the patience or the time, or maybe they, they just have so much money by that point. They don't care to do it. But for Spiller, like you said, Ben, it's, it's about the culture Like he adds, he actually adds a lot. He really he bought it a long time ago. To Dabo, it paid off. Like he's like he's kind of proof of the of, of, of the story. And I think that's why he's going to be there. He, just, he builds the culture, and it obviously will help in recruiting too. You know, David I mean, David Hood at Tiger Net
2: had um, an article several weeks ago. It was actually good timing because there still wasn't a lot of football news. Um, but he had an interview with Charlie Whitehurst, and even Charlie, you know, he's taking some time off now, I'm just kind of chilling after his illustrious. Uh, the clipboard-holding NFL career. Uh, I think he's still dating Jewel. How about that guy? Um, but yeah,
1: he mentioned one day he might want to get back into coaching. That would be cool to see. Yeah, I mean, this run, this era, the Davo era begins, it doesn't end with, but it begins with C.J. Spiller, like through and through, building around his talent, the promise, kind of putting Clemson on the map as a, as a talent destination. And um, to see him come back great it's a little bit of a first full circle situation um but yeah it's awesome i wish some of his physical capabilities could be transferable especially in the return game i think uh it's been a long time since we've had someone that consistent and explosive uh, returning kicks and punts but um in any event it's awesome to see
0: There's i guess it's totally named demarcus bowman from florida we'll talk about him later
2: well, and you saw them I mean, put ETN back there right at the end of last season and going into the playoffs. I mean, we just haven't had to, right? Back then, you had to give CJ all the touches he could get because we didn't have that many other playmakers around him. Now you want to keep ETN healthy. But you saw them when it came to crunch time last year, I think starting South Carolina game, maybe the game before that, um, him start to returning kickoffs. Um, so I think we've been, for the most part, playing it safe too, right? Just get the ball, start on the 25 or whatever give it to Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah. You know, then you mentioned um, Tyler Grisham, also Brandon Streeter is a prominent coach, at Clemson, former player, uh, not under Dabo. He was under Tommy West back in the day, but I guess I want to ask you guys like CJ's back. Who would be next on your list of a former player to come back and coach a position group or play a role in this team? Well, it's obvious Hunter Renfro.
0: <laughs> I would I would well that's that's obviously gonna be Ben's answer. I would pluck from the 2016 team and I would take either Ben Bulware or Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins, I think that I mean just
2: his personality alone and his love of the game. Um yeah, I think that's a a, a great
1: one. Yeah, Christian Wilkins is gonna be my answer. I feel like with Ben Bulware, we basically get all of that and more with Brent Edibles already just a high energy, vocal, loud leader. who's um, not not afraid to stick his nose in into a fight uh, on a football field. Uh, but yeah, Ben Boulware would throw in a lot of interesting wrestling moves. So maybe he'd be worth bringing back for sure. Um, all right, so uh, I don't know if there's any other kind of high profile news from the Clemson side. Um, across the landscape of college football, clearly um, a lot has gone on in the last couple of weeks. This is not breaking news to anybody, but um, with the Big Ten and PAX 12 opting out, it has been a little bit of a circus. Um, You know, Nebraska threw a little bit of a hissy fit initially. Um, It has come out a a number of things that the Big Ten vote was split and split pretty, I think it was something like uh, what their, how many teams in the Big Ten now? 12 teams. Um, I believe it was like... I think it's 14. They said 12-2.
2: Oh, right split that they originally said I saw some numbers thrown out there that was 8-6 but yeah I thought it was 8-6 it was yeah. originally they said it was 12-2 but there's been so much information maybe misinformation going on around that it's been really drama filled right you saw um, you know several a handful of teams six of them thinking about maybe just playing uh, home and homes this year for attending game schedule um, and I, you don't know how much those are just rumors and hearsay yeah. Um obviously you had the Nebraska thing, you had several parents of uh, Big Ten players go to the Big Ten headquarters and speak with the commissioner. And you know, he held his ground. They're not
1: playing. Yeah, I mean, they're very much trying to like close ranks and keep keep coaching staffs, keep it athletic departments towing the line of the of the conference. But when you have the voice of someone like Justin Fields building a petition. Um, We have rumors like these, you know, handful of teams in the league breaking out and doing their own thing. Whether or not there's any truth to that, I just think like this is such a departure from like the Jim Delaney Big Ten era where everyone fell in line with his leadership. Um, You know, kind of an unenviable role that their commissioner was put into taking this over um, during this kind of a year. but. Um, clearly I don't think he got all of those schools on the same page before they charted out their course. And it's really interesting to me that they did, they made that move and were are basically expecting the other leagues to fall in line, um, and didn't. And that was like a huge miscalculation, I feel like, cause now maybe the big 10 is sitting out, but the others move forward. That's kind of a disaster for them, um, just from a lost revenue standpoint and potentially, I mean, you got to imagine on the recruiting trail, um, you know, opposing coaches and opposing teams are going to be like, why would you go to a big 10 school? They don't, they're not, you know, interested in prioritizing this sport and you playing. Um, You could see it the other way. They could negative recruit against the other schools. They don't care about your safety. Uh, But ultimately I think this would cost uh, the league sitting on the sideline if we move forward this fall.
2: Yeah, I don't, it's, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and, Blame them for what they're doing. I'm no expert, no scientist or doctor in regards to COVID. I mean, you hear the arguments from the the leagues that are playing about how the players are, you know, most likely safer out there on the field than going back home and having more exposure to others who may have the virus. So, I think there's arguments to be made on both sides. You do have the heart condition. The Georgia State quarterback um, just discovered he had that heart condition that's related um, to COVID. So, I mean, that's, that's what we don't talk about, too. Everybody talks about just getting the virus and then passing it on and older folks dying and stuff like that. But these viruses uh, also have long-term effects um, and can cause long-term issues. Um, and we don't talk about that at all. We'll be talking about it in 10, 20 years, right? But we're not talking about it now. We're just worried about the the now, right? The immediate repercussions. So... I mean, there's an argument on both sides, and I don't think there's a perfect answer, right? Um, we've never experienced
0: anything like this. And, and one way or the other, we have to move forward. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Ben. But at the same time, like, you have to think about, like, we have to, like, we do have to move forward. Most of these young guys are exposing, exposing themselves to risk, regardless if it's through football or otherwise. And they might be more likely to do it otherwise. And then, like, CTE's a thing, it's always been a thing. We know it's a mm-hmm. thing. Like what? It's, it, so you have to ask yourself as a fan, as a and, and then as a conference. Like, is to what extent are are they liable for the risk, and to what extent is you, are you as a fan like willing to Completed. accept what risks these eighteen to twenty two year olds are taking? So like, it's I don't know. It gets, gets kind of philosophical, but like if you're if you're really upset about the long term consequences of COVID, you should damn well be more concerned about the CTE, and you probably shouldn't watch football if that's your stance. And I know you're not. That's not necessarily your position, Ben. I'm just saying. Like right. I know people that way
2: yeah no absolutely um I, I think it's more of should any of the players who participate you know god forbid die from a related heart con- a heart condition related to covid out on the field um, or in practice or something like that I, I think that's the biggest threat um and i think that just happens once and it immediately ends the college football season um obviously hopefully that doesn't happen But I, you know, I see that. I mean, I I get your point about CT, right. Um, And it's a a number of other things, you know, guys can get paralyzed on the field playing football. There's a lot of risk involved. So we got, it's just like we have to open businesses again so people can, you know, earn income, make ends meet. Like we have to move forward. We we just need to do it the most responsible way possible. And, you know, obviously we're biased because we want to see Clemson play. I want to see the big 10 play in that I want more exciting college football games every weekend. I want to see Ohio state play. I want to see Penn state play. I want to see Ohio state, um, beat Jim Harbaugh. Again. I love seeing that every year. I could give two craps about the PAC 12. It's funny Tully,
1: how you didn't even (laughs) allude to them when you're talking about them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I guess my, where I was coming from kind of introducing this as a topic is it's just really interesting that they just jump the gun to completely opt out without maybe delaying their season indefinitely and kind of evaluating. All right, we're going to bring students back potentially. Let's just see what the community is looking like. Um, and honestly, guys, like I, I can't help, but feel like feed in a little bit to the fact that these were the two conferences that had their players make the most vocal public stance about wanting to change the conditions around kind of player players' voices and kind of player influence on how this season ends up playing out, both from a safety precaution standpoint and in the PAC 12s case, you know, things like revenue sharing and just player rights holistically. Um, obviously more came out in the subsequent weeks about there actually being more of a national joint effort among the players. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Darren Renscher being part of that and, I just think it is interesting that the two conferences with like the most early on vocal public players coming out were the first to just like immediately pull the record. Yeah.
0: But, well, you, you mentioned the Kevin Warren, the big 10, the new big 10 commissioner, like everyone knows this. If you go to a position like that, whether it's an executive position or, or any type of leadership where you're, you're, you face a lot of scrutiny, you'd never make a bold decision early on. You'd never make a risky, you're, you're trying to mitigate risk. Like, don't mess up. That's your, that's your job for the first like two or three years. And I think to me, they, they got in a room full of lawyers and it wasn't about player safety because Trevor Lawrence actually outlined a very good reason. Uh, we've already talked about like players are more likely to get COVID, like not within the institution. Like they're going to go, and that was proven out by what happened after spring practice was canceled. So, uh, all that to say, like, uh, so Trevor Lawrence stepped in and I'm, I've lost my thought.
1: But I think you're saying you're suggesting that you know you generally don't want to make the bold, unpopular move in your first month or six months on the job, and this guy seemed to have done that. Now, maybe he was swayed by a room full of bloodthirsty Big Ten lawyers. Yeah, right. I mean, what you were saying—the liability, right? They the were room
0: full of lawyers. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I was where I was going with that. Yeah, and, and anyhow, so yeah, to finish that. That thought it was it was yeah they, they weren't really thinking about like safety in my mind i'm sure yeah i'm not i'm sure there were they were to some degree but it was more about like what li- like what liability do we have if something were to if the worst were to happen versus like what about player safety and thinking about it through that lens and and a lot of the schools are letting kids in a business model a lot
2: of this kid a lot of the schools are letting kids back on campus and we've seen how that's gone you want to let them out on the football field yeah <laughs> Is anybody anyway, really surprised that the first week of, of college that frat and sorority parties are happening in masks, nobody wearing masks or social distancing? Is anybody surprised by that? Nobody should be surprised, surprised by all. that. I would have done that when I when I was in college. That's what college kids do.
1: It's what, yeah, they, yeah, it's
0: man, what they've been doing, yeah.
1: Right. So uh, that was going to happen either way. I think the big flaw was in opening... People to come back to campus to begin with, and North Carolina already went remote. I think a lot of schools are planning to do that. I think the cynical, you know, observer would suggest they're waiting just until that room and board check clears before they're announcing that stuff, and just trying to preserve as much revenue as they can. Um, higher education is definitely challenged with, you know, finances in this day and age. So um, you can draw your own conclusions on that, but. I feel like if you did want to create the most player-friendly, healthy environment, you know, inviting 10, 15, 20, 50,000 people into a closely concentrated campus is not the best way to do that. But again, it's not just about sports on these campuses, of course, right? Um, we're here talking about football. I mean, if if most schools do move to a remote learning situation and setup, because that's the best thing for all people involved on campus, I think that does introduce an interesting kind of sort of a bubble opportunity for these teams. And I, I don't know. I feel like that sets itself up for this season to continue.
2: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, nobody's going to miss the pac 12. I don't know what the hell spring football winter and spring football in the big 10 is going to look like, or who's going to care if no other conferences are playing. Um, And even if the pac 12 is playing again, who cares? Um, So I don't know why they're, banking on that unless they still think that this fall season is going to be canceled. And for some reason, it's going to be any better
1: in the winter or spring. Yeah, I think what's tough about that, too, is how many weeks do you get in? Do you do a playoff or any type of kind of bowl season? And then what do you do about the fall? And are you really asking these guys to play essentially like 20 games or more in a calendar year? Right, seems like a lot. Pl- pl- if you play a yeah, well, they, a spring and a fall. There's been talk about
2: having the the early enrollees be able to play because you know a lot of guys going to the NFL are already opting out, and among the leagues that are playing, and they're certainly probably not going to play
1: even more of them opting out if there was a spring season. So, yeah, you
2: know, at first, yeah. I guess I'll one
1: I'll one piece of news. Well, one piece of news, Ben, that came out this week: the NCAA is looking to approve, essentially, like voiding any and all eligibility usage this season so if any players play they play a full season it almost counts as a redshirt year or not even a redshirt year like you lose no eligibility toward your four years um by playing it all this year nice Another year of trevor lawrence and etn baby and <laughs> xavier thomas and possibly justin ross i mean um, xavier yes. thomas wouldn't play it anyways it doesn't look like so yeah you're right but uh just in terms of them not necessarily having to burn any of those type of red shirt type deals.
2: Interesting how that would affect recruiting guys coming in seeing saying, you know,
1: well, f- well, first, like, what do you do with, with scholarship spots? You know, if you, yeah, right. I think the, I suspect there's going to be an allowance for, to go beyond the certain limits, like for the holistic team. I don't know about bringing in what that does to like your numbers. You're allowed to bring in like 25 new guys on campus that year, that year. But yeah, it definitely definitely if you got seniors that plan to come back um, and you weren't intending to have that spot for them and you had a nice, shiny five-star recruit, like what do you do with that?
2: Well, you um, get a larger, larger bench on the sideline. Some of those guys ain't playing, keep a scholarship, but play the five-star guy.
0: So you're going to ha- it's going to be like BYU in basketball, right? Where they have like guys returning from the Mormon trip and they have a team full of like 24 year olds and they're, they're all, they're all, they all suck, but they make it to the sweet 16. So like, that'll be like Kansas state, I, I suppose. Watch out 2022 Kansas state. Doubtful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that a gimmer for dad reference?
2: I would go more Kansas sure. because I'd give less miles. Um, the upper hand there. Sure.
1: Well, obviously a lot of kind of window dressing to college football season. We'd be talking about all that anyway, this time of year. Um, But why don't we talk about the stuff that I think most fans are interested in. And that is this year's football team, what we're hearing out of camp uh, and really getting to know, you know, the the newcomers and the guys coming back to the team. Um, I guess let's keep it with the offense guys. There was a team scrimmage over the weekend on Saturday um, some blurbs coming out from the press about uh, practice thus far. A lot of sound bites from the coaches. Um, it seems like, in terms of standout players, there's this guy called Trevor Lawrence um, that seems to be having a pretty good fall camp. Mm, never heard of her. <laughs> so, in addition to TL, um, you know, making all kinds of throws and really having you know a solid grasp on this offense. Great to see. I think none of it, none of that surprises anyone. Um, we are starting to see, and I think, you know, again, you guys talked a little bit in the last episode, one of the potential weak spots being wide receiver depth. Um, a lot of kudos coming out about Cornell Powell, um, really stepping into his role and vying for, um, you know, some of the available playing time at that position. Um, when you guys think about kind of the offense holistically, it's not as much about what you're looking for in this fall camp, but what are some of your concerns heading into the season? Again, assuming Clemson is a full slate and it's slated for the playoff. Um, what do you think is going to slow this offense down in a way that, you know, we definitely didn't get the offensive outburst against LSU that we were hoping for, you know, where how could history repeat itself, you know, at least in terms of that type of output uh, from this offense?
2: I'm a little concerned about the wide receivers just because throughout this entire run, we've We've done it with, um, you know, with studs, superstars, which we, we have on this this team, or at least guys who have the ability to. Um, but with Justin Ross going down, right, he was your returning, um, you know, he was the guy, right? And we're, we're kind of missing that this year. You're banking on uh, Joseph Fingata and Frank Lanson to step into those roles um you mentioned all the praise cornell powell is getting it's like well who else is there to praise right now amari hasn't been playing uh much dealing with some stuff um you know i hear a lot of good things about brandon specter which you know we've heard good things about him last year too so i'm really interested to see him out on the field um but we just really need to get ngata and and lanson back in there because they need the reps um, to be able to step into that that role. Fortunately, the schedule is not that difficult. So I think throughout the season, they're going to be able to grow into it as well. Um, but I think uh, maybe why you're not quite as concerned there is because you do have Trevor Lawrence throwing them the ball. Um, so that certainly helps. Um, I would say, I,
1: yeah, in addition to that, Ben, we're going to get likely to get more out of the tight end position this year with Braden Galloway coming back to the offense and seeing absolutely. ongoing development. So just from like a passing game standpoint, um also I think we are all very bullish on what we get out of the running back position in the passing game, um, continue to develop. So I agree though, purely from like the core wide receiver position, there's probably a lot more uh potential than proven. Uh, well, well and I I'm not giving Amari Rogers enough
2: credit either because he I mean, coming back as, as fast from injuries, as he did and as fast as he looked last year, he wasn't cutting the way um, that he used to with that knee injury. But um, he is this year, it sounds like. And, I, yeah, I think he's really going to show out. So we do have that. I mean, and that's that's your rock and Amari Rogers right there. Then you got E.J. Williams coming in. I'm um, not sure how much we expect to get out of him this the year, him or Aju Aju. Um, but I mentioned this last time, just kind of in jest – about Darren Kendrick. Does he make the move back over at any point? And there was uh, some talk on Tiger Illustrator this week. They asked him that question in an interview and he didn't rule it out. So I think for the most part, he's completely committed to cornerback because we need him at cornerback. Um, But that's always in your back pocket. That's always in your back pocket to be a two-way player with him.
0: He's got the mindset for it. Yeah. The the only thing about Kendrick is he, he played the two spot, which we actually have some answers there with Amari and Cornell Powell. Uh, he, you know, if if there's an injury to, to Latson or Engata, like it's it's possible he gets moved over. Maybe they put him in like the nine or the um, the five. But I think, I honestly, I, I really think Engata and uh, and Latson. It's not going to be T Higgins and and Justin Ross, like like the last two years which i think by the way we were really spoiled with with those two yeah, with especially higgins i have to think he's taken his game up to another level like like a half step at least so that'll that'll be a solution all all on its own yeah i think perhaps and
1: again none of these things happen in a silo you know the the true question mark on this offense is likely going to be Yes, we do have Trevor Lawrence there, but um, how about protection? You know, if he doesn't necessarily have those go-to or if they're still building that chemistry um, and he's not able to get the protection from the O-line, you know, that's where you could see problems and trouble for for Clemson. And, you know, we, I think we've been operating on within a world where the offensive line for Clemson, really the last two seasons, Trevor Lawrence's career. Um, he's definitely made plays and kind of, you know, fought off pressure and generally been, um, been wise in that spot, maybe not to the level of Deshaun Watson, but um, this is going to be the first year where I think he's going to need to be likely scrambling
0: a lot around a lot more, at least until that group gels. Well, we're kind of at that point in the, in the preseason where we're trying to figure out what Dabo's saying is if he's blowing smoke or if he's being honest and, I think we have to take him at his word. He actually said, I guess, in the last week that the first team offensive line is there's going to be no drop off uh, from last year. He's very, very bullish on the offensive line and the first team. But I think there's been a lot made about this, a lot written about it is the the backups. And we talked about this two years ago and, you know, we're like, we need more recruits. We need to recruit more offensive linemen and, and accept more commitments and, now there's this big gaping hole in the, in the depth chart and the two deep and we're plugging these 18 year old freshmen in there and it's not looking so good. He's actually said as positive as, as he's been about the first team. He's been equally as negative about the second team.
2: Well, I'm not sure if he's so negative about them at all. They're just young, right? There's a cause for concern there uh, just because there isn't the experience that we're used to. Um, but, they're talented. They're very talented. So it's really about how quick they're able to, um, you know, grasp the learning curve. And again, with our schedule, you know, those guys can get some playing time during the regular season. You know, they're not going to, that first team's going to need to be out there against Notre Dame most of the, most of the game. Um, but you know, they've, they're going to have their opportunity to get in there and get some experience. The question is, and I think this was part of what, um, kind of bit us in the butt last year is all of that can happen, But, you know, when we got up to play Ohio State last year in LSU, those were the first times we really got punched in the mouth last year. And you could see the effect of us not playing good competition all year long. So it's one thing that these guys get ACC playing experience. But when they play against playoff caliber teams and playoff caliber defensive lines, does
1: that translate to the same success? I doubt it. So, Yeah, and one thing that's that's a little unfortunate, and we'll we'll get into talking about Clemson's schedule here in a bit, two of the teams with the most capable defensive lines and some of the best individuals, marquee star talent, Pittsburgh and Miami, um, are going to have guys missing the season um, by opting out and like either in preparation for the draft or through health concerns. And that's unfortunate. Again, you'd want to have those like first round caliber draft pick defensive linemen um, to really see what we have in our offensive line and really to get tested like that. So that, um, come playoff time, you know, they, we at least know what development areas they have. Um, I do think Notre Dame is going to be tricky. I'm sure there's talent throughout the schedule otherwise. But, um, yeah, l- missing those two studs from Miami and Pittsburgh is a bummer. Well, the the good thing is, is
2: that the best defensive line that there is out there, um, at least in the ACC, they get to practice against day in and day out, right? Um. So that's their experience level. Yeah, maybe they're not looking that great right Bend now because up? they're two fr- true freshmen. But they're the defensive line is looking really good this year, and they are getting that experience. Um, At least right now. Now the the, the competition level, or at least the the physical level, is not going to be there during the season. Right during practice, you're not going to be going full speed uh, just to preserve yeah. yourself from injury. But again, that's another big part of it. Like, should we? experience an injury we've been very lucky the last several years not having our, our main guys getting injured on the offensive line
1: you know this is not a good year for that to happen yeah i was gonna ask if you guys actually put any merit in that that's like a favorite saying of coaching staffs and players like you know they go go up against these tough guys every week like do you guys think that is legit?
2: <laughs> I, I think it is during spring practice and, 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 August camp. But I think once you get, once you turn the corner into game prep for the season, like we are now and you get into the the rigors of the season, that practice is not nearly as physical. Um, just again, you're trying to make sure guys aren't getting injured. They've, you know, got to take it a little bit easier on them after having played a game, um, earlier in the week. So But I I think during camp and stuff like that, that's in spring practice. That's when they really get to grow up. Now, unfortunately, this year, uh, spring practice got cut short, right? So, yeah, they got a little bit of it, but not all of it. But we are hearing really good things about some of these true freshmen. So I'm still optimistic, but you know how hard it is for guys to play on the offensive line as a true freshman. We've seen it.
1: Cool. Uh, any other notes about the offense? I know we're pretty big on DeMarcus Bowman. Cody, you have any thoughts
0: there? Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's drawn rave reviews so far. But uh, we talked about him last show. Like he to me, he looked like Dalvin Cook. It's funny that we did open with Spiller uh, and talking about Spiller, like because he actually is very comparable to Spiller. And I, I I guess what strikes me about him and his talent is how like if it were 2009 and he came into Clemson, he would be CJ Spiller. It would be of that, he'd be of that magnitude. And now he's kind of, he's taken a a backseat with all of the talent that's dispersed on the, on the depth chart and even at running back. So all that to say though, he's still super, super talented. He's going to make an impact on the team, whether it's um, as a running back, which it will be. And then as a kick returner, so get ready for this guy. He, He needs to learn to pass protect, but Beyond that, it's uh it's, it really is it's Dalvin Cook, it's CJ Spiller. That's well, his that's his ceiling.
2: Well, and they've they've also mentioned he was kinda like he's still kind of like ETN, right? Um, when they let him loose and kind of he doesn't have to think too much, like he makes huge plays, right? Um, and that was ETN when he came in. Like he didn't know what he was doing. He never hit his holes. He just ran to the end zone (laughs) which is honestly all he needed to do and you're kind of hearing the the same things about Bowman Um, but you know I think a guy that's really going under the radar that I'm really looking forward to see his progression this year is Linjay Dixon we've seen his flashes he's looked like a really good running back he can stand to be a little bit more physical and lower his pad level but third year in the system third year with you know going to his third season he's had significant carries the the past two years so that's gonna be an exciting guy to, to, to look out for yeah. The remember it comes to mind as deep as that running back board is. Cause remember we have Kobe price, um, coming in too. Is that his, was that his old name or his new name? I think pace. Yeah. Pace. pace, new name's pace. pace. Yeah. Pace, new name's pace. Sorry. Um, uh, and Linge, you know, there was rumblings, especially after E10 came back that Linge might transfer, but you know, I love those guys that come back. Overton did it. Cornell Powell's done it. Linge Dixon, you know, they, they not, they're not afraid of the competition and I love that mentality. And I'm, so I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah.
1: The, the Kind of the apex of the running back core that we might have this year. Like this is, it's kind of new for Clemson to have this much talent and kind of the the touches be able to go around as much as we do. It strikes me as like the 2018 Alabama team, um, where they had what, um, Jacobs, Damian Harris and Najee Harris, uh, Josh Jacobs, I think is is the one I was referencing. Just, they hit you. They were just a relentless running attack and, um, different type of athlete, you know, across those, uh, those runners. And I feel like, it would be interesting kind of knowing what you guys are talking about, the wide receiver position and potentially O-line struggles from a pass protection standpoint. If this Clemson team just turned into uh, just a a running juggernaut, I think that would be oddly a departure for the Tony Elliott offense. Just, I think everyone was clamoring for us to run the ball with ETN in the last year or two. Uh, But yeah, I, I would definitely love to see that be part of
0: this team's identity. Well, that's one thing I've seen written about a little is the, the team identity, the offensive identity after the LSU game, like realizing that there's still more that needs to be done from a, like all, as we all gripe about during the season, like the, the play calling it's slow, it lacks creativity. Uh, we know, we know all that. Like, I think they went to the drawing board a little bit and and it'll be interesting to see what, what, Direction we take the offense, knowing that you have all this running back talent, but you also have Trevor Lawrence, and you, you, might, be depl- you, totally, you might be depleted. You said Tilly might be depleted at wide receiver. What do you do? I, I, I tend to think it's just going to be a lot of the lot of the usual, uh, just a, a game of balance between the pass and the run, but and probably more run to be honest. But it'll be interesting. I would love to see more uh, of the of the Oklahoma type uh, air. Tech- Texas Tech Air Raid type. Just a little bit, a little dose of that with Trevor Lawrence while you still got well, you know, it. That, that year with Alabama was Tua's breakout
1: season. Um, he did not win the Heisman that year. But, um, you know, I think there'll be plenty to go around for Trevor.
2: Well, and you know, Cody, that may not be the case this year. Usually that, in part, is we have so many veteran wide receivers and a very deep wide receiver roster. Again, breaking in some new guys as, as starters this year, you may see them air it
0: out a little bit more, open up the playbook a little bit. I I really hope that's what they do. And, you know, the schedule, schedule is the schedule. I mean, you're going to be up at halftime in some of these games. So (laughs) some of these (laughs) games, (laughs) I mean, you're going to be up, you're going to be up a lot is what I meant. So like, instead of figuring out how you can be as conservative as possible, which by the way, Travis Etienne is going to get like less carries than he's gotten his whole career. And he's probably going to still run nine yards per carry and set records, but score 18 touchdowns. Right. It'll it'll be the the most efficient season you've ever seen. But I think you do like you you do have to experiment with some things, put some things on film. You know, don't go back to the let's just grind it out and be surgical.
2: Well, and you mentioned it, Tully, too, um, with Braden Galloway coming back and then Davis Allen right behind him a year under his belt. You know, got to start running some of those plays for the tight ends, too, that we haven't run in a couple of years. So I can see them working that out, throwing the ball over the middle more. Really excited about seeing that.
1: Um, So I think there's a lot of little wrinkles in there. You know, there's a a lot to look for as a fan in these first few games. Um, You know, it's not going to be the most marquee matchups in the world the first three weeks of the year. Uh, but that being said, I mean, there's, again, plenty of question marks on the offense where we hope we do see what can become the true identity of this team. Yeah. I guess I'll say, please
2: do not pull the first team offensive line off the field until Trevor Lawrence is also out of there. Yeah. Good call. Speaking of quarterbacks, hearing a lot of good things, it seems like DJ youngalele has or could be passing uh, Pumachan on the depth chart already, so um as good as advertised very excited to see him as well
0: and he's yeah. another one too if he came in if had he come in 10 years ago even five years ago like this is all we would be talking about all the stories would be about him and he's i mean this is just where we've gotten to but yeah i think not to like let him lose, like so he doesn't lose his shine he's right there with Deshaun watson and maybe a little bit behind trevor lawrence as a prospect in that first year like here he's he's good. Yeah, we got a good one.
1: Um, The dude just has absolute redwood trees for for legs um, and a cannon. So I think I mean what what what's what's some of the development notes on DJ? Is it accuracy downfield? Is it you know kind of speed of decision making? All that stuff's going to come as he gets more into the system and uh, accustomed to the college speed of play. But yeah, awesome to see. I guess with Pumachan. Like, were we really expecting him to hold on to that that second backup quarterback spot for very long this I year? Thought,
2: I thought having some somewhat relevant playing experience last year and um, a season under his belt that maybe he'd hold him off for a little bit longer. I mean, listen, he's a talented kid, right? He's going to be a, a really good quarterback. Um, but yep. just when you're at Clemson right now, at least these past several years is – bringing in these five-star guys to the level that we have that are almost ready to play right out the gates you know but you know you got to give it to these guys you know they they love the competition and it sounds like this quarterback group um they're always trying to make each other better and, and that's their goal they're yeah. not an awesome. every man for himself they're they're a tight-knit group
0: yeah, it does seem a little bit too, like Trevor Lawrence has taken on a little bit more leadership and maybe, it, maybe I'm just taking that from some of the off the field stuff, but either way uh, he, stri- he strikes me as he, like he, he was really mild manners coming in he's taken up the leadership role. And now, and I think, I think ultimately we'll go as far as Trevor Lawrence will take us this season. Cause there are, there are enough weaknesses, not big weaknesses, but when you're playing Bama, like you guys talked about, they could be exploited. He'll, we'll go as far as TL takes us, And I also thought with DJ, it's good to have him watch Trevor for a year and, and learn under him. So I think we'll be ready next year for another run at, I don't know what it is, whatever title run it'll be. I think, and hopefully there'll be fans in the stands by that point. Yeah. There might be this yeah. year. I think
2: a lot of schools are planning on
0: it to some degree. Students maybe,
1: very limited capacity. So are you guys expecting, I guess, just holistically for this offense? And again, it's it's hard not to be jaded by or you know over over influenced by the lsu game but do you see this offense probably having somewhat of a lower national rank or smp plus rank offensively than last season when all said and done i obviously we're playing a different kind of schedule all of that but there i'd expect I, I think i'd be happy with the top 10
2: offense in obvi- yeah. unless unless there are injuries on the offensive line uh, from the starters then I uh, know these, these guys are still going to put up points. Like they're maybe all the experience isn't there, especially the wide receiver position, but you still, have yeah, to I'm runs. thinking, you still have I to guess I'm
1: backs. I'm thinking about just like efficiency and explosiveness and all that stuff. Like there's, there's question marks in some of these positions. Um, that's relative though. Right. It's
2: relative to, yeah. to, to Clemson of years past. Like it's.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's my question. Like compared to last year, you expect as explosive or as efficient in offense.
0: I actually think it's funny you said it until I haven't really thought about like comparing the position groups year over year. But I actually think the offense will be better, like pound for pound. You know, like you said, efficiency, how they do down for down. We'll say that. I think they'll be better. I think Trevor Lawrence will take a stride. I think Etienne is Etienne, and the, the offensive line won't fall off too much. I know the wide receivers will have their issues, but like you said, you have Galway. Yeah. In. yeah, I mean, I, I, totally, I think this team has to be better on offense in order to win a title. It's the defense that I expect statistically to step back. That's not the same thing as saying they will be worse. But statistically, I, I see them taking the step back.
2: Well, and the yeah, offenses, I kind of feel the opposite. The opposite. I mean, the offense was uncharacteristically actually inefficient last year. They relied on big plays a lot. Did not hit a lot of the you know third downs, and part of that was because they didn't have a threat over the middle. We've got that this year, so I agree with Cody. I, I think we see a much more efficient offense this year that sustains longer drives in, instead of just relying on the home run.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree with you guys on that front. Um, I expect efficiency to grow. I think explosiveness will take a step back um, unless you are getting it. I mean, again, we could see great things out of the receivers as they develop, but uh, T Higgins and Justin Ross did set a high bar. I guess, Cody, I was interested to hear you say that you thought the defense might statistically take a step back. Obviously, we're losing Isaiah Simmons and probably holistically the secondary. You might think it's worse, but inarguably, the front seven should be much stronger this coming season. So that's where I I would expect the defense to actually come up, come up a bit uh, statistically.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would say after the after a full season, and in, in this case, what ten games, I would I would hope that that's the team I would want to roll into a, a, a playoff with, rather than what we did last season. Nothing against that defense; it's just yeah, gotta have that loaded front seven. So we have that, but throughout the course of the season, I don't see it as a better defense than what we had last year. There was just Isaiah Simmons, too much uh, senior leadership and, and know how on the on the back end. Yeah, uh, but yeah, ultimately you, you can't you can't go against like what we have what we have brewing on the defensive line this season and what it might be by week seven, we'll say
2: right. And you've seen what what it means for a dominant defensive line to be able to cover for weaknesses um, at the linebacker position or in the secondary. Whereas last year relied on the secondary and our linebackers Isaiah Simmons to uh, compensate for, uh, the, the defensive line, right. And and the lack of bodies there and it worked, uh, they had a great regular season, but then you get to the playoffs and you know, there's some struggles, not getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and they got torched, especially in the LSU game. So I think shifting back to having that dominant defensive line, uh, just being able to handle the line scrimmage and get pressure on the quarterback, that takes a lot of pressure off your secondary, who we are turning over some guys there. A lot of talent, again, in those positions, but great having this dominant defensive line again, albeit we're missing Xavier Thomas, likely for the entire season, but you look across this defensive front, and we do have some true freshmen coming in, expected to be um, impactful and have a lot of playing time, but a lot different on the defensive line than on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, we've mentioned uh, Isaiah Simmons a little bit. I feel like the team will probably also miss the presence of Chad Smith. a bit. I think is a bit of an unsung hero. Obviously, Scalzi coming back is going to be big. But um, across the board, I mean, I think you guys did a good job last time of uh, kind of talking through the personnel. Has there been anybody standing out to you guys and reading up on fall camps thus far um, that's really making an impact on the defensive side? Well, just one more thing, I guess, on the defensive line
2: for me. I'm really excited to see Tyler Davis in a four-man front primarily this year and not getting, like, triple teamed, right? Um, so yeah, look
1: out for that. I think he's going to be a monster in the middle. Yeah, so I guess when we'll, you – oh, go ahead, Cody. Now I was just going to ask, like, sticking with the defensive tackle position, um, knowing who we do bring back and knowing who we're, we have coming in, Brian Brzee is who I'm looking at. Like, how would you guys split up the snap count? Like, how do you do that, Tyler Davis, unimpeachable starter? Um, but how do you how do you kind of cycle through the reps through the rest of the guys?
2: They've been doing this for years. Um, you know, last year obviously an anomaly, but you know, I, I think it's a system uh, with, with Clemson. And again, like like Cody said you're going to be up big at halftime on almost all of these games. Like there's going to be plenty of reps to go around.
0: Yeah. And you, and you do throw a BC out to the defensive. We talked about this a little bit uh, last episode, but the, you throw him out of defensive end and some, in some three, four sets, which I'm sure we'll do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. There's enough linebacker talent and, and talent that you trust that Venables trust, you know, deeply, probably more so than they trust some of the guys up front right now. So you, you probably do see some 3-4 as a carryover from last year. And with that, it'll be interesting to see Brzee play on the outside and play on the inside.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Like Jordan Williams, Niles pinky you know, what what their u- utilization looks like um, with Brzee. I think Brzee's versatility to your point, Cody, is going to have him lining up all over the place. So um, I think they're going to roll with some of the proven depth that they've got um, with those other two and sort of cycle Brzee in. But it could be his position to lose kind of as the season progresses.
2: It's interesting. Niles Pickney isn't even on the, the pre-camp depth chart. He's not on the three deep there.
0: Hmm. And he's I hate coming to,
2: back, right? I, I hate, I hate, oh, yeah. yeah. No, he's definitely back. Um, yeah. I hate to tell you, though. It looks like uh, Rook or. Or Horrojo, <laughs> his, his, his second team behind Tyler Davis, and he yeah. may get a lot of playing time this year. We're gonna have to figure out how to how the hell to
0: say his name. It, there's never been. I, I shouldn't say there's never been. It's probably the most loaded position group we've had in, in a while. With with guys that like, if they don't show up, like, I mean, you're what you're saying, Tyler, is legit because, like, if you want to reach the top three strings like you got to play well or you might get left behind so you have you do have rook that's 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 standing out you have obviously you have tyler davis he's your mainstay percy is gonna probably be starting by end of, end of the season and then you have two stud freshmen and in, in trey williams and uh and Devontae k part so yeah. what's darnell jeffries gonna do and what's ruben uh, uh, i'm not gonna try to pronounce his name ruben and rook gonna do like they they better that's be no moving stuff. yeah yeah there you go
1: and uh that's an easy one I mean, the name that comes to mind too. And he has since transferred, I think to Arkansas, uh, Xavier Kelly. Um, he, he transferred this year. He kind of fell into that. He kind of got in, washed up in the, in the depth chart. Well, he know, was also Tyler kind Davis.
2: of a, he was also kind of a tweener, right? He came in as a DE. they tried to put on some weight, move him into the, to the inside. And even last year with, with the the lack of depth
1: there, you didn't see him out there that much. So. Right. Yeah, I mean embarrassment of riches if you're a Clemson fan. I think uh, don't you know, sleep on, don't
2: sleep on KJ Henry either. Putting a lot of good weight, we're hearing, and now with Xavier Thomas, um, yeah, know, not, so the not outside, that's his
1: job. So the defensive end positions, I think, the most interesting on this defense, just in terms of what plays out um, even into the season. You know, kind of what what we see who emerges, not even in Xavier out of Xavier Thomas's shadow, but just with the available uh, snaps that are there. And again, Cody referenced Brzee potentially moving to the outside. I'd love to see that. Um, I think just with his size and speed. Um, I mean, we saw it with Christian Wilkins, I think in his second year, right? When he needed cover for um, an injury, we had that position. So, um, and with Dex coming on campus, um, we were kind of rich at the tackle position. Yeah.
0: So anyway, Defensive line, super intriguing. Agreed, and and I think I think Justin Foster is going to be good. Uh, Xavier Thomas will be back too. That's the cool thing. Like, I, I think he's going to make an impact. But um, all that said, I think the best defense. Like, no no one's going to say this because they just don't do this at Clemson. But I think the best defensive end on the squad right now is Miles Murphy, and I think it'll be kind of like Tyler Davis last year. He'll emerge as the best at his position group by like the third game. Man, having a great defensive line
2: again is so exciting.
1: Such yeah, a right. Rushery. Yeah. It's incredible.
2: And really, mean we had good guys out on the field there last year. We were just we were just lacking at that that second defensive tackle
1: position. Yeah, I mean that that ultimately and we had was it Jordan Williams that missed the um national championship game? I'm spacing on it, but we we definitely had depth issues down the stretch um uh, with which definitely cost Clemson. So Good to know there's a lot of depth there this year. Um, I'm reading you know, a lot of confidence coming out of Brent Venables on what Mike Jones is able to do at the SAM position. So that's obviously good news. Again, Ben, put up your coach speak radar on that one. But um, in, any, in any event, I, I don't know that we're gonna see Mike Jones put into the same type of utilization as Isaiah Simmons was, uh, but not having a complete liability out there is going to be important. Uh, we've, we've also been really spoiled at that position as fans, you know, going back to um, kind of throughout the years. And why am I spacing out his name for the 20, 2018 Durant squad? Dorino Daniel. Dorino Daniel. Dor- Dor- yeah. Daniel. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in any event, um, we're, we're wishing the best for Mike Jones Jr.
2: Well, I don't think he's going to be out there every damn play of the game like Isaiah Simmons was last year, right? They're going to switch it up some more. They're going to slide some other guys over uh, to that that linebacker position when they're not necessarily needed in pass coverage um, or to, to help out the secondary. Again, with that dominant defensive line, you'd be getting more pressure on the quarterback so you can afford to kind of switch some guys out there and give them some different looks and schemes. But um, regarding the coach speak, Venables does not heap praise upon guys um, very often. Um, or it doesn't come that easily. Right. And so when he does say it, you you kind of perk up, uh, Mike Jones third year in the system. So that means he's been behind Isaiah Simmons for two years and got to watch him play. Um, so I think he probably has the mental part down. He's got the physical ability. Of course he's not Isaiah Simmons. Nobody is. Um, but he's another talented guy. Um, question is who comes after him at that position? So many guys like Jalen Phillips played there, I think, uh, uh, a little bit last year. Um, or that—that that was the talk about him playing there. So I don't know that 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 position is gonna kind of morph this year, maybe, but maybe not. We'll see how Jones does. It's gonna be interesting to see.
0: It sounds like that Clemson is now going for the Isaiah Simmons safety, like the the big safety, almost like the J. Ron curse, and that's what how they're gonna how they're gonna play that position, how they're gonna recruit that position from this point forward, and less of like the high linebacker focus, which is. Which is interesting. I don't, I don't. I think. I think like the thing with Isaiah just emerging was just complete happenstance. But man, he that really worked out well. Um, the thing that only guy I was going to mention was uh, was Landon Sanders in the secondary mm-hmm. as a safety. He I really liked his high school film. The concerns about him were he's not big enough and he's not fast enough. And turns out he ended up running like a four four. He was insanely fast in super athletic. So like now it doesn't surprise me. Now he was amazing as a high school player, all the things about his athleticism were wrong. And now he's beat out everyone out of those, out of that sophomore group or that two year safety group. And he's oh, the best. He was all over the field when he got to, I noticed
2: him several times last year when he, when he got playing time, I mean, part of it, it's his hair, but he was making plays. Um, so yeah, super excited about him stepping in and taking over that, that, that strong safety role. um, so, but a lot of youth back there, right? You look across this depth chart, um, you know, you got Nolan Turner returning as the lone senior. Everybody else is a, is a freshman or sophomore. Um,
1: but a lot, again, a lot of talent back there in that group. Uh, yeah. Like Sheridan and Jones, he had an amazing screen game last season. Um, not as much, it didn't flash as much on the field this past season. Um, but yeah, Nolan Turner's coming back. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Phillips. I feel like, I forget who else was emerging from the freshman core, um, but I believe Joseph Charleston kind of slipping down a little bit. Um, but yeah, in general, safety is a really interesting position. Um, and then odd uh, that we have like a little bit, I guess Sheridan Jones, sorry, he's he's a corner. <laughs> we're, we're sticking with safety. Um, Sheridan Jones is really on the two deep at cornerback. It's going to be interesting to see... Like, is there actually any freshman talent that's going to challenge for playing time at, at corner?
2: Malcolm Green. He's not showing up on the depth chart right now. Uh, the pre-fall camp depth chart, but rest assured that he will when the season depth chart comes out. Um, hearing a lot of great things about him. Really excited about what we're going to see out of him. And then also Andrew Booth, um, true sophomore. I think you really see him flash this year. Um, like yeah. a lot of these young um, cornerbacks – that we've had come in in years past, you know, the AJ Terrells um, and the like. So, I mean, Mackenzie Alexander held that, that, that spot for, for years, same thing with, with Terrell. Um, So Andrew Booth, another guy, look out for him this year. I'm actually, Dabo said this is probably the best group of, he has said this a couple of times is the best group of cornerbacks top to bottom that he's had as the coach at Clemson. And when Dabo says something like that um, he's not blowing smoke up your butt.
0: So let me ask you guys like, well, what I've heard uh, from Brent Venables, who's, who is, you can, you can see when he's, when he's blowing smoke and he does well, I'm sorry, he doesn't blow smoke. So you don't, you know, he's being honest. He was nervous in 2012 when he came here. He was nervous in 2013. All of a sudden he wasn't nervous in 2014 and he hasn't really been all that nervous. Uh, I guess intermediate or uh, every now and then he gets a little nervous year to year, but he's actually bullish on this team is what I'm getting at. So what do we make of that? And is it just because all of the, the writers that are writing about this are on Zoom calls and Red Venables seems more, uh, I don't know, more, more
2: confident on Zoom? Chipper was the word that um, Tiger Illustrated used today
1: to describe. he likes his team. I think he likes his team. And I can't blame him. I think he's uh, glad to have a defensive line. <laughs> yeah. I think he's happy knowing – Joe Burrow and that coaching staff at LSU are also out of the picture. Yeah, that kept them up at nights probably for weeks after that game. And
2: the Ohio State offense is not taking the field this fall, so
0: <laughs> yeah, they literally just took away the best offense in the game, and and probably I don't want to say like we don't know what uh, what's the guy at Alabama? Why oh, can't Mac Jones? Is that right? We don't know what the, what he's made of, but. It doesn't strike. He me might as not like even be the starter, Cody Bryce. Right, Bryce Young. Bryce Bryce Young may be
1: their starter. Yeah. If so if you if, if you trust the fans,
0: that's who they want. But yeah, of course, like of course you want Deshaun Watson and not and not Cole Stout, but <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but there, that's that offense isn't going to be what it was with Tua. They they might still be amazing. They still might win the the uh, national championship in quotes, but, uh, but yeah, there's no, there's no juror out there. Maybe Lincoln Riley, like maybe Oklahoma scares you a little bit. I don't know. Let me ask you this. If if two sec
2: teams, Clemson and a big 12 team make it to the playoffs, like whoever wins that is the national championship champion. Like let's,
0: The, the question Ben is, in, in, the, in June of 2021, when, uh, when Ohio State and Cal square off in the national championship. You can't come in with anybody better than Cal. <laughs> it's a joke. Is that a legit national championship when, when Ohio State beats Oregon? There you no, go. no, you win the spring practice championship. That's all you get.
1: Especially because Justin Fields is probably going to be playing in that. They're not going to play spring ball. Right. It's not happen. That's right. Okay. Fair Just, enough. Come on. Sorry. We can, we can joke about the fall happening, but spring ain't happening. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I guess like what I was going to say to your point, Cody, like we obviously have not seen this defense play any snaps together. Um, I don't really know what type of prototype offense on paper gives this defense fits. Cause we don't really know where the, the weak links are and where the shortcomings are and where, Um, They're not on the same page together. And we also don't really know what we're going to get out of all the offenses in the the country. I do think if Ohio state was on the map and again, they still might emerge and play football this season. um, I doubt it. I doubt it will happen, but that like Justin Fields, take his last throw. Don't take that away from him. Um, You know, take that out of the equation. Like, Yeah, I think Ohio State definitely would be the most formidable top-to-bottom foe that we would face offensively, and I would include Oklahoma in that. I still think I would say Ohio State has a talent edge over them. Um, Yeah, it's fortunate for Clemson that Ohio State would not be playing. But I don't know know what type of offense beats us. Well,
2: certainly nobody on a regular season schedule. I mean, you've got Derek King at at, at Miami. Um, We'll see what their offense looks like this year. Um, Pitt returning their their quarterback, Um, but again not looking to be a dynamic offense. Notre Dame not really that worried about. They got Ian Book coming back, which I don't think the fan base cares too much about. Um, They lost their best running back. They lost their best Um, running back. They lost their best wide receiver. So what are they going to look like on offense? I think besides Clemson, the second, maybe the second and third best offenses in the ACC could be. Um, North Carolina and Louisville neither of those teams were playing during the regular season Hopefully we see one of them in the ACC championship game Unless we're dead set on wanting to beat Notre Dame twice Which I'll, I'll take
1: Yeah, I'd rather get the new blood thing I think we've actually managed each of the years we've won the ACC We've actually managed to not have a repeat opponent, which is nice you think if,
2: well, here's the downside to us beating Notre Dame twice. See, that probably definitely keeps them from joining full time. I would think. And just
1: scare them off. I don't know that I care if they join. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why ACC fan, fans, of ACC schools are like, join our conference. Like because I don't tally- know. we do, we, we do fine making the money we make with them scheduled as they are without them on our schedule this year. What is there to look forward to? Yeah. I mean, I think it would enhance. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. They're the only top top 15 team on this on our schedule. We're we're playing them like six times in the next 10 years. And I'm not exaggerating. Like we got them plenty. So for Clemson, I just don't see what's in it for us to have them come into the league full time. In fact, if they do, I actually could see, them moving off our schedule as much. We'd pl- probably play them less frequently because I, I imagine they'd want to separate us. So Well, we'd need yes. to add another team, wouldn't we? That'd be the 15th ACC team. Yeah, I mean, I would be in favor of doing what they're doing this year, which is no divisions because divisions are stupid. So either move to a pod system or just make it random every year.
0: And can we relegate one or two ACC teams? I don't know if that's the uh-huh. thing. You send them to like the MAC. Sunbelt. Yeah. The Sunbelt, sure. Yeah. Boston yeah, College, I think it'd be cool Oak if, if every
1: if every Power Five had a group of five like buddy conference that you relegated and promoted teams within. I think that'd be awesome.
2: uh It's just hitting me. I disrespected Chase Bryce. Duke offense is going to be up there this year. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> sure. Speaking we'll of Notre Dame, that. they open the season with Notre.
0: We're Dame. not.
1: They're not on our schedule though.
0: But totally, I want you to take a look at that Clemson schedule again and tell me you don't want Notre Dame on there for the. And I do I see what you are saying about they NBA. are on our schedule.
1: They're on our schedule, like for six of the next ten years. Yeah, he's saying they're there true. anyways. They're there anyways, and like that's true. That's truer than everyone with Georgia Tech from but the that's side. The, the only reason that's only because of the ACC affiliation. Um, right. Uh, yep. Which I that is going to continue in perpetuity. Like they basically cannot. If they join a conference, it has to be the ACC, and they need us more than we need them to have those six games a year to fill out their schedule.
2: Well, so and
1: they're going to just be, you know, fill in the ga- fill in the gaps themselves. I don't think they can do that.
2: And talking to a Notre Dame fan the other day, you know, their main thing is it's not even the TV revenue that they care about all that much. It's really not that much. Um, it's Uh, losing those games against the Stanfords and the Michigans. Um, USC. Yeah, and that's the way the rest of their schedule sets up. And that's the exciting part for them. I mean, if you look at the, again, look at the ACC schedule and the teams in the ACC, there's Clemson and
1: that's the game you get up for. The other games are just... Well, we have have an an eight-game league schedule. We can keep that. Then they have four other games they can play. Now, they probably want to fit in They haven't played any FCS schools. They don't do that, but they do play G5 and independence.
2: You play, uh, you play eight ACC teams. You're playing about five
1: or six FCS schools. Sure. Yeah. Or at least group of five caliber. They're, they're big in there. Yeah. So like then if they have Stanford and USC, at least two additional games, usually they're playing like a service Academy or two. Um, I think they could still be in the ACC and scheduling USC and Stanford every year if they wanted, Sure.
0: But again, I don't need Notre Dame to join the ACC. The question is, why isn't Clemson go in Notre Dame's route and become an independent given its ACC schedule? Whoa. Love this question. Whoa. I just don't,
1: I don't know how we fill out a full schedule. That's the problem. Hmm. I
2: think we rely too much on the money from, from, from the conference and
1: As in total. I mean, you think I mean well, we get one fourteenth of all the playoff revenue that we've ever generated. Imagine if we got a hundred percent of that. I don't know, I'd have to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more than one fourteenth <laughs> of the years that we didn't go.
0: Right, let's get let's, let's get a hashtag and get Trevor Lawrence to back it and Clemson will be in the just like no Clemson time.
1: going public. We need Clemson to go private as a university and then Clemson to go independent as a football program, and as an athletic department.
2: That works as long as you're
1: good.
0: That's a good point, Ben. Well, Notre Dame has not been good for a while.
2: <laughs> no, it. It's not working for them anymore. That's why that TV revenue isn't as much as it used yeah. to be.
1: That's why they're getting blown out when they do make it to the national championship or the playoffs. Well, guys, since you brought up our schedule and you love talking about it, I want to kind of address some parts of the schedule. And let's just talk about what the schedule was going to be going into the year, 12 games, South Carolina's on there. Citadel's on there. The Akron zips are on there. Um, And then our normal ACC Atlantic slate and then Virginia and Georgia tech. Like that was what it was. Everyone's going to make fun of it. It's going to be a crappy schedule. Now we have this, now we have 10 ACC games plus the Citadel. So kind of the same, we still have Notre Dame. Um, That's a conference game. Now, previously it was at a conference um, but what we swapped was games against Louisville, NC State, and I think there's one more. And what we picked up was Florida. I'm sorry, what we picked up was Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Miami. Um, so I'm missing an Atlantic opponent that we shed uh, from this schedule. No big deal though. North Carolina State. And, did you say that? Yeah, I said oh. NC State, and I said that's um, the biggest Louisville.
2: disappointment
1: for me is not getting to play Dave Dorn. In NC State yeah. this year. Yeah, because they're not winning. They're not taking second in the conference. Um, so, I guess, like, number one, my question for you guys like, are we, do we have a more challenging schedule now uh, than we would have previously? I, I think that we do. I think Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Miami, you know, they're not world beaters. They probably won't even be ranked, but those are better teams than Louisville and NC State. I
2: I have two takeaways from this schedule, and I'll leave it at that. Um, One is the toughest stretches at the end of the year, starting with Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Our last four games are on the road. Notre Dame, Florida State and Virginia Tech with uh, a home game against Pitt in there with the the Notre Dame and Virginia Tech games uh, just being that time of year. Uh, November and later in those areas could very well be cold will be cold could very well be snowing Um, So that's something to look at. That's the tougher stretch our schedule. The second takeaway Is i'm gonna have to wake up Very early this year on many saturdays to catch the games at 9 a.m So you think we're gonna have a lot of new games? Oh hell yeah Well, I mean maybe not because the big 10 is not playing right. Um but
1: Clemson will get a lot more games by virtue of that, although.
2: But even then, yeah. the Big Ten plays just in general, a lot of day games anyways. So um, yeah. and we're on the East Coast, so we're more likely to play those noon games. Very seldom do they. Do you have some of those teams? Well, there's in no the, Pac-12. The so they zone. Let's not they may
1: push more games later okay. just to fill out a full schedule.
2: So we're anyway, not going to yeah. be starting at eleven o'clock at night on the East Coast to fill that. Yeah, to fill that in. So
1: the pack I mean, twelve has literally super, no impact. I haven't looked at this super closely. I think what we also gained from this schedule is moving the BC game off of a Friday night onto a Saturday,
2: and Georgia Tech off a of Thursday
1: to start the season. Yeah, so that's good. Anyway, I think a better schedule for us to have this Clemson team be tested um, against tougher opponents. You know, Ben, you mentioned on the road, cold, adverse conditions. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing for preparation for this team, but um, it's going to be exciting, you know, presuming we get that far in in the season. So, yeah, I'm cool with the schedule. Um, Would I like to see some of those later games, like some of the tougher matchups get interspersed? I mean, we have Wake, we have the Citadel, then we have a bye, then we get a UVA. Um, Kind of a cupcake opening month.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, this is what the schedule looks like every year for the most part. The schedule wasn't all that exciting uh, originally to begin with. Losing South Carolina sucks. That's something to look forward to, Just even if they're bad, just beating them um, is is fun to watch. Um, But other than that, I mean, this is the hand we're dealt and it is the burden of being great and we'll just have to deal with it
1: all right well uh, september 12th you know not too far away now probably what four weekends away at this point it's the weekend after uh,
2: cody's wedding how long to your wedding cody it's 2 weeks i think i could be wrong i think it's, I think it's 3 weeks well 10 days 11 days three 10 weeks days still plus, full 10, full 10 22 day, three weeks,
1: three weeks. Yeah. So three, three, three Saturdays till we watch Clemson. Um, let's hope campus conditions don't worsen nationally or in the region. Um, and we can actually see that weight game go off. That would be amazing. Um, guys, I know you talked a little bit about what other sports are on. NBA playoffs are fun. Baseball's on. It's a good you know, way quick, to kill can time. I,
2: can I throw in one other caveat about the schedule here too? It looks like an easy schedule now but guys get COVID have to sit out a week or two guys like Trevor Lawrence or ETN or anybody like that. Every team's going to have to deal with this. It's going to completely change the dynamic of the game. So again, this is not going to be a regular, it's not going to be a regular season. It's not a regular time in the world right now. So we cannot expect this to go as normal. There's going to be weird things that happen this year. Some games might get canceled and get shifted around. They got the two open dates in there. So what we're looking at now may not be the end result. We'll see what happens.
1: Well, you know, it's weird, Ben. I don't know that they've decided. So right now, there's no divisions. The two teams with the best winning percentage in the, the conference will go. So it's winning percentage. It's not wins. So if, if, for instance, Clemson loses a game, but they actually play more games than some other team that also has like a loss, we may actually have a worse winning percentage than that other team, in which case or I don't know, however that math plays out, um, it's late. Anyway, like that that scares me a little bit. And again, it depends who you might lose to. None of us expect Clemson to lose, even if you handicap us and take away like our three best players, probably still the most talented team in the conference. Um, but that's something that can get really squirrely really quickly. Well, I mean,
2: again, it's all its all speculation right now. I think the, the, the one thing that we just need to hope for is to see a season
1: period and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I agree. I kind of do wish in the first two, three weeks, though, um, if it was to just go away after three weeks, I kind of wish we would have had a little bit more of a fun matchup in that time frame than wake the Citadel and a bye. But I'll take any football I can get. Take anything right now. All right. I think that wraps us up for this week. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, as always. You know where to find us on social media. We are Clemson podcast on Twitter and Facebook Um, hit us up on either of those platforms Uh, let us know who you want us to talk about coming up obviously you know as the season progresses as it's looking better and better we are going to be previewing the positions in in a little bit more depth um, as news emerges about the depth chart Um, probably looking ahead to some of these opponents in greater detail as news comes out from their camps as well Um, so stay tuned for that really I think each of us needs to spend a little bit more time looking at some of the um, preseason top 25 of kind of looking at who are the rest of the top 10 that are actually going to play. Um, it'll be interesting if they're going to release the top 25. You guys know if they're going to keep like Big Ten teams on that. It's gonna be weird. No, no. Why would they? Okay. I don't know. Who knows? That'll be fun to hear their schools whine about not being on that. But you killed your season. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're gonna be scouting that a little bit. Stay tuned for more shows. Um, hoping to also get some interviews going, as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for making it this
0: far. Any last thoughts from you two? Cody, are you awake? You know, I'm. I'm just looking at over under totals to see if there's win totals, and I'm. I'm thinking you got to hit the under hard uh, on the wins because what are the chances that we play the full season? You know, there's. I'm pretty I, sure it, those it, it, are, Those are going to be. Those are going
1: to be caveated. Like you're not going to be able to say it's like presuming an 11 game season is played. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in everybody. We will catch you next time. And as always go Tigers.
0: There's a, there's one girl at the wedding that's single and I'll be honest with you. Actually I won't I won't be I'll just I won't say anything. So I'll just say I think she's attractive and you could probably hit it off with her. I don't know that you'd want to date her. I don't know that, you know, obviously that's up to you, but you know, you could take her out. Nicholas, welcome. Tully, 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 Tully. We're talking about Ben's prospects for uh hitting it off with a female friend at the wedding.
2: Yeah. So
0: which you're like yeah. Cody
2: Cody, led, taking wagers Cody led with me needing to get a haircut and didn't mention that. So I think those
1: two are somehow connected. <laughs> I'm going to get a beer. Give me a minute. <laughs> can't do this shit sober.